Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just cut down to the number one Florida and Central Texas football recruiting blog station in the world. I am Dr. Dr. C. And I'm here to introduce Diamond in the Rough Football the Recruiting. Football recruiting. Now, now, let's talk let's football, talk football baby. baby! Based in Southern Florida, Diamond in the Rough Football Recruiting meets to provide an honest evaluation of each athlete's ability. A partnership in your son's future, our priority is getting your son to the next level. CEO and professional recruiting advisor Robert Denson recognizes the importance of exposure for qualified student athletes based on his personal experience and knowledge of the recruiting industry. Diamond in the Rough has helped student athletes since 2004 get to the next level in playing college football while continuing their academic careers. Because of his business expertise and commitment, Diamond in the Rough Football Recruiting is building a national recruiting network that consists of more than 3,000 college coaches at over 200 colleges and universities nationwide. This is a personal and comprehensive program, a partnership that focuses on the evaluation, advisement, and promotion for every athlete to produce in NCAA football. To contact Diamond in the Rough Football Recruiting, please dial... 866-259-8271 or hey. view them on the web at www.ditrfr.com and that is Diamond in the Rough Football Recruiting for the state of Florida. And this is Next Level Recruiting for the state of Florida and Central Texas. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another great show uh, tonight. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy schedule. It's been another night with Diamond and Rough Football Recruiting. We have another exciting show lined up for you tonight. And after tonight's show, you'll be saying, wow, I didn't know that. But uh, first of all, let's get to business of hand. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Marlon? I'm doing good. How are you? All right. How was your week? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, okay, very good. Uh, we have a special guest lined up for you tonight. Uh, but first of all, we always have to get to food of thought. And uh, uh, before we get to the food of thought, uh, thanks for the email today. You want to touch a little bit on in regards to the SAP, if you just want to touch on that a little bit, and then we'll get into the show. Well, I just need uh, students to know that uh, once again, the SAT is going to be changing the test. Uh, sent out the article on our Twitter, uh, twitter.com backslash eligibility coach without the H on the end. Uh, for last year, for the first time, more students took the ACT than took the SAT. It used to be that uh, students in the Midwest and the West Coast mostly pushed the ACT, but last year they actually had more students register and take the test than the SAT, and so the SAT is going to look at revamping and changing the test. So the students just need to be on the lookout. 
With those changes come, you know what that means? They're going to make it more difficult uh, for you student athletes out there. Just, uh, that's what I pretty much got from the article. Uh, they're trying to uh, ban about our competition. Uh, from, from what I got up on the letter, um, and thank you for the email, is sure. the ACT and SAT is battling for uh, students. And they're, they're, they're trying to win back. They're trying to win back the the students from taking the ACT versus taking the SAT. And that was very good battle versus the East Coast and the West Coast and the North and the South. Uh, I, I thought that was a little enlightening to me uh, when I read over the article. Um, I thought well, what students, students take have to remember. Yeah, students have to remember that testing, uh, just like admissions, is one way that people make a lot of money. Schools make a lot of money on admission fees, and College Board makes a lot of money administering the SAT. And if you have millions more students taking the ACT than the SAT, then they're losing money. For example, I'm in the state of North Carolina, and the state of the state of North Carolina is now having all eighth-grade students take the plan, which is like the PSAT, in the eighth grade, and the state is paying for it. The ACT also gives out a report from this test which shows the answer that the student provided, the correct answer, and it has an assessment in the back based on the student's likes and the student's interests and the sections that they scored on the test well, it suggests potential careers for them. So the ACT is providing a lot of feedback, and if you think that the ACT is giving tests to every high school student or every eighth grade student in the state of North Carolina for free, you're wrong. The state is paying them to administer the test. So as you look at more states going towards that model, that's more money that the SAT would be losing. Wow. I already said the wild effect already. Okay, now moving on into the show, we'll, that's that's going to be a subject for uh, later down the road uh, over the summer in regards to all the changes that's coming down. Uh, but um, we're going to get into the uh, business at hand uh, for tonight's show. Uh, first of all, just food for thought for all you student athletes out there. Uh, I've been noticing, I, I realize that you guys have a lot of time on your hand, but be very careful what you're posting on the social media accounts. You never know who's listening or watching what you guys are posting for his picture, your language. Uh, one thing coaches are looking for at this time of the year, um, they're looking for good character, what type of character that you present when you think college coaches are not monitoring or if they don't have someone monitoring uh, your information that you're posting on your uh, Instagram, your Facebook, your, your Twitter account. So just be very careful with that. Um, Moving right along. Um, well, and Robert, if the compli- if the coaches, the college coaches, aren't monitoring it, the compliance officers are looking once we sign someone to an NLI because we want to know what's coming in and what issues might come with that person. Wow. Okay. And some admissions offices, some admissions offices are looking before they make an admission decision. Mm-hmm. So just be very careful what you're posting. I'm not saying that you have to totally eliminate that. Just make sure 
that whatever you're posting is very clean. Okay, moving to business at hand. All you unsigned seniors, uh, you still have an opportunity to, to showcase your skills and your ability to show these college coaches what they missed out on. Um, we're going to be having two camps. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to be having a camp on April 6th. <clears throat> Hold on one second. Okay, sorry about that. I'm back on there. We're going to be having a camp on April 6th at PGA National um, Football Field Complex. That's for all unsigned seniors on April 6th. Uh, the cost of that camp is $75. That's for seniors only for the 2013 class. Please sign up. Uh, we have very limited space. We're also going to be taking a show on the road the following week, April 13th, to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, that's for seniors only uh, for around the uh, – Tennessee area, we'll be having the same camp. <clears throat> so if you can't make the Florida camp, make sure you take advantage of the uh, April 13th camp. That would probably be the last camp for all seniors. We still have schools that's looking for prospects, but they want to do a further evaluation in, in that regard. Also, right along, make sure you have registered for the SAT or the ACT test. Uh, you only have two more chances. I know there's a test this weekend. But after this weekend, you will only have two more chances to take the test. Now, for all you, all you underclassmen out there, we're going to have a camp for you. Uh, we currently have two locations, but we have other locations that's pending. I advise you to take advantage of the camps that we have already set up. I would advise you to go ahead and register because we have very limited space. I know as we get closer to summer, more and more is going to start to register. <clears throat> we will be having a Take your claim uh, camp on June 21st and 22nd, and also in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on July 12th and 13th. Um, those camps are 125. Um, day one would be education in regards to the recruiting process, and day two would be the actual camp. Um, just make sure that you have registered for the camp. And now we're just going to go ahead and move on in regards to our special guest tonight. Okay. Our guest tonight will be able to help parents and prospects understand recruiting from the coach's side. Coach William Bill Hayes is a native of Durham, North Carolina, and a graduate of North Carolina Central University, where he played varsity football for four years and was a three-time All-America at center and linebacker. After graduation, Coach Hayes coached high school football, making stops at Northside High School in Greta, Virginia, Paisley High School, and North Forsyth High Schools in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, as well as our alma mater, Hillside High School in Durham. His first college coaching job was in 1973, as the offensive backs coach at Wake Forest University, where he was the first African-American coach in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Three years later, he started a 27-year head coaching career at Winston-Salem State University and at North Carolina A&T State University. His overall coaching record was 195, 104, and 2 and he had more wins than any other college football head coach in the history of the state of North Carolina. For the past eight years, 
He served in the capacity of Director of Athletics at both the NCAA Division I and II levels. I worked with him at North Carolina A&T, and I worked for him at Florida A&M University. And it is my pleasure to welcome Coach Hayes to the Diamond in the Rough blog radio show. Good evening, Coach. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me, Marlon. Sure, thank you. I know you have a lot of information that's going to help our parents. I know you coached at both Division One and the Division Two levels, both subdivision and championship subdivision. Can you describe for the parents the biggest difference in the physical characteristics of the players? Well, I think uh, there's not a, a lot of difference in the first 11 players, but okay. I think when you're in Division Two. Uh, the depth is always the issue. In other words, you go in, in Division One, you need you need 22 offensive players that 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 are that that are interchangeable, where the the performance level does not drop off when someone is injured. The team keeps matriculating, just like if all the starters were there. But as you go down from Division One to Division Two, Division Two may not have but 15 real good football players. Uh, the Division Three might have less. You're going to find outstanding players on all three levels. It's just that Division One, since they can give that 85 scholarships, uh, are going to have more, uh, a greater amount of, of really good football players. Great. Wow, that, Robert? Wow. That, yes. Uh, Coach Hayes, uh, you know, I, I roam the sidelines a lot. Uh, during the season uh, from uh, state to state. When you college coaches come down to watch a individual player or a um, a player in high school, what is the main reason or what are the main things that you're looking for to see in that particular uh, prospect? Well, there are a lot of things. It depends on if, if I'm looking at, a, at an alignment. Uh, I always wanted an alignment with straight feet. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want him to be—I didn't want him to be too pigeon-toed, and I didn't want him to be too slew-footed because his power base starts with his feet. And so okay. I wanted—I wanted a guy who was who was at least six-one, preferably about six-three on the offensive line, and and I wanted him, him to be big enough to—I wanted him to be a, a you know, the three hundred pound range. And and now nowadays, you know, they're going three thirty and and three twenty, but. But I always thought quickness was more important than size. So I wanted a guy with a, with, with, with straight feet, uh, real solid foundation, who was 260 or, uh, 260 or better to play on the offensive line that had some speed. Uh, uh, that's, but, but the thing that, that you, you, you also look at is you look at how the person carries themselves. You know, it's important. That 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 you you get somebody that's coachable. You know you, the mm-hmm. job is harder. The job is hard enough. Uh, right. uh, you don't need problems. You know people right. with attitude right. problems and all. I mean you got enough problems already just trying to put a team together and get scholarship money together and practice fields renovated and and in great condition and you got you I mean you got a thousand things as a head coach you got to do. And the last thing you need is a problem with a kid. And so, uh, you, you, yeah, really. And so, you want a you, you want a good person to coach. 
That's how like a scratch record. Go ahead. What are the main things that coaches are evaluating when they're making the decision on who to invite to campus for the official visit? There's so many players, but you can only invite so many. Well, you know, the, you know, the academics is a given. I mean, you want somebody that you know, you, you know, gonna go do what you ask them to do, gonna go to class, uh, gonna have pretty good attendance, good attendance. You're not gonna have to run him down to make him come to practice, and so you so. When it gets right down to it, when you want to, you want to, and I can't emphasize enough that I want to coach a good person with some values and that it comes from a good, solid background. That that doesn't mean that that, that he can't come from the projects, because God knows I've had a number of guys who 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 came from situations that were real, real poor, but they were good people. I can think of some guys who I've coached that whose mothers had 12, 13 kids and, and no father wow. who who did great. I mean, I, I could call some pro football players' names that I coached at Winston-Salem and North Carolina A&T who, who didn't have fathers, who had, you know, had one-room, uh, two-room houses. Dirt, uh, you could see through the floor, but they were good people, and they did what you asked them to do, and they excelled on the field, and they excelled in the classroom. Wow. See, and, and, and that sounds like a scratch record. That, that sounds like a stress record. That's what we've been preaching and preaching in, in regards to good character and being humble and hungry. Um, you know, when you, when you do invite them in for a fisher trip, what are you guys looking for? You know, you want to see well, how they they film. Go ahead. Well, first of all, the kids got to know that it's everything's set up. You know, we already we kind of know who we're bringing in anyway. And then we've got hostesses that are going to show them around and somebody's going to take them out for the evening to show them the town. Well, the hostess is going to come back and tell us everything. We're going to have a meeting the next morning so we can get a report on everything he did, whether he smoked or not, whether he drank, whether he – we're going to know. The hostess might be friend of that night, but you better believe she's going to tell it on them the next morning. And so <laughs> we're, just trying to, we're just trying to make sure that – that he's a good person, and and what we're bringing in is is comparable to what we saw on tape. You'd be surprised at the number of kids that send you the wrong, send you the tape of his buddy, yet he comes yeah. walking in. You know, yeah. so they sent us a fictitious tape. So the visit is to verify what we saw on tape, the body type, the the movement skills and all that is the same kid that that that, that we're recruiting. Because sometimes uh, we've been known to get tricked. Wow. Right, 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 right. Wow. I, that, now, that's the first one for me when uh, I, I noticed about, I knew about the switching of the tape, but I didn't realize you guys caught eye of that, too, when they, they come in and send their 6-8, and when they come in, they're on the 5-8. And, you know, I, I, was tell, I was telling a young guy the other day, uh, he was on a recruiting trip here at Winston-Salem, and he told me, I said, well, what kind of speed you got? And he says, hey, Coach, I run a 4-4. I said, listen, do me a favor. <laughs> don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. What I'd rather for you to tell me, I'd rather for you to give me a slow time. I'd rather for you to tell me you run a good solid four six, and yeah. the first day, we, the first day we go out there, you run that four six. But if I put my money in you, my scholarship money and my time recruiting you, and your coach has told me you run a four five or four four, and you, when you get to camp, you end up running a four six five, then I'm negative from the beginning. Because right. I didn't, I didn't get what I paid for. You follow me? 
So it's yeah, always but, best to, to be honest because, you know, the difference is in, what, four, five, and four, six is two steps. And, and you know what? If you just, uh, if, when you, it's the difference in six, one, and six, two, and six, three, it, it's about a finger. So it really don't matter what's inside that counts, the heart, that heart of a player. Some of the best linemen I've had, we all like those guys that are 6'3 and 6'4, but some of the best linemen I've had was 5'10, 5'10 and a half, and just refused to lose. And yeah. so, you know, we talk about what we were like in terms of height, but there are kids that come along every day that defy everything we thought we wanted because they play with so much heart and so much passion. Well, kids, you're hearing it from someone who has been on the sidelines. Well, I heard about this is what the coach is really looking for. You know, I had I had over 300 kids sign pro contracts in my in my time. Uh, so I've seen a lot of great athletes come through, and 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 you know the the biggest thing when they come in, I really try not to evaluate a freshman too too severely. I I look at that that. The growth from the freshman year to the to the junior year, that's when they're going to really, I mean, their ability is really going to shine. That freshman year is normally going to be slow. You know, I don't expect mm-hmm. him to do a whole lot. I expect him to, to learn the lay of the land, to get sound academically, to learn the system, to get to know his teammates. I expect all that. I don't expect a lot of playing time. Every now and then I get fooled because a freshman will come in, and he's really a mature freshman. Most of the times it takes forever to get cut the cord, to break the bond between him and his mama because, you know, yeah, you know she's telling him a whole lot of stuff in his head and, 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 and you know, it's, it, and it's, you know, I've seen over the last 25 years since the family system has changed. When I used to recruit early in my career, it was always mom and daddy and grandma and auntie and that type of thing. Right. But now in the last 15 years, more and more homes we go into to recruit, it's just mama. And and, and, she, and she has changed a lot. You know, she's strong now, and she's tough as nails, and she had to be to raise that child by herself. And so she's a little bit different from that old traditional mother that when the recruiter came in, she had some tea and cookies read there for him, and daddy led the conversation, and the uncle was there. It ain't like that no more. It's just mama. And, and I used to tell my kids that, look, I'm your daddy. And I tried to be that type of role model where I could be mom and daddy. I could tell you a lot of stories about about guys who never saw their fathers the whole time they were in college, and, and I became their father and their mother. Well, Coach, wow. what is that parent's role in the recruiting process? What What is it that mama should be doing, and what is it she shouldn't do? Mama should take care of paperwork. Mama should okay. make sure that he has an application done that he takes tests on time, that, that all of the, she should help him make sure that all the clerical paperwork and all that type of stuff is, is done on time and in the right places. And in, in the case of and I saw one of the things that you indicated, sometimes she might help him put tapes together so that he can distribute them to coaches all over. That's, you can okay. do that much cheaper than you can pay that monthly payment on a scouting service. I mean, just buy a bunch of tapes and make the tapes and get them out to the coaches. But what she, but she's got to be real careful not to be too aggressive when she meets those coaches. 
because the last thing coaches want to deal with is one of those type of mothers who are always meddling in the in in in, in what we're trying to get done and and making accusations and that type of thing. That 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 can be counterproductive. Gotcha. Wow. Wow. See, dads now, don't do that. Fathers tend, and I don't want to be uh, sexist or anything, but fathers have a way about knowing what a man's role ought to be. Sometimes coaches can be a little bit overbearing, and mothers don't quite understand that. Sometimes fathers can be a little bit overbearing. And and when you're a little bit overbearing, sometimes mothers don't know how quite how to take that, and they think you're being a little bit too hard sometimes. But then fathers tend to understand that a little bit better. And so she just got to watch herself and know her role because she could hurt her son a lot. Wow. Now, do you uh, do you evaluate transfer students different from high school students? Yeah, I do. Uh, if I'm going to recruit a transfer, I want him to be ready to go right now. Okay. You know, he he ought to be ready to go right now. When he walks on campus, you know, we we're going to have more than likely we're going to have to put a lot of money in him. So and okay. and, a lot, and and so when he come when he gets off when he gets when he hits the feet hits the ground he got to be ready to go, and he's got to be ready to have an impact on on our team, because normally he wouldn't have a but two sometimes three years to play, so he's already lost that nurturing period about being a freshman, so when he when he hits the campus he got to be ready to go, and usually they are they're not as hard to recruit as. As high school kids, because they already know the game, they they know oh, what to look okay. for. It. Yeah, yeah, they're a lot easier to recruit than high school kids. And you mentioned academics a while back. How important are the high school students' grades when you're evaluating prospects? Well, it's kind of tricky because in many cases, just like myself, I mean, growing up in slums in Durham and and and, and tough neighborhood. Uh, people told me that that I wasn't gonna be nothing for so long. I started believing it, and so there are a lot of kids out here who've been told the same thing that you're not gonna be nothing. You don't have a chance. And then some coach will see you, and that coach will see something in you that nobody's seen in you before, and then he'll embrace you, and that and that kid will start excelling academically. Most of them are a whole lot smarter than people give them credit for being. So I think that. Uh, that 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 he's got to pass. He's got to follow that curriculum guide, though, when he gets in the ninth grade, so he can get on the right track. So the ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, and twelfth grade are critical in his academic uh, preparedness for college. Yeah, and, and then see, with the new NCA increasing the academic standards for the current high school freshman class, what would you suggest to them to prepare for the academic? Academic uh, certification. Well, you, you know what what uh, what parents got to do is is manage their kids better, which means there got to be time when you turn the TV off, turn the cell phone off, take the headphones out, and study. Now, because that's what they got to do when they get to college, because we have study hall and tutorial programs. They when they walk in there, they gonna they gonna be in check. They gonna come in there and sit down and open up that book and turn everything else off and block the whole world out, and they're going to study for as long as we need them to study, generally an hour and a half, uh, six to eight hours a week. Uh, we, we're going to do that, and we're going to, and they're going to have uh, monitors in there to help them out and, and, and uh, uh, people, you know, people in there to give them some assistance. But so mamas need to start training them now how to sit down and study. 
because, you know, most kids when they're, right now while they're playing sports, uh, they come home in the evening and they drop their books and they go to doing everything else but studying. So consequently, they have no clue of what their real ability is. So when they get in a regimented system like college and they are told exactly what to do, when to do it and how to do it, then all of a sudden once they, once they understand and learn how to do that, they excel academically. They'll make better grades in college than they will in high school. Correct. I have seen that. I have seen that. That is that is that is true. I have seen that. Uh, Coach, what are your personal feelings about the seven on seven competitions? And do you have a large percentage of your current players at Winston Salem State that participated in those? Oh yes. Uh you know, coaches use that during the summer to keep their teams together, to keep them in shape, to work on the passing game. And the passing games now since since the advent of these seven on seven programs it's ten times better than when I was coaching ten years ago. These kids throw the ball, throw and catch uh, a whole lot better now because of a seven-on-seven. So I'm all for it. Okay, that's good. You know, you're a leader in Division Two in uh, the athletic department, where only partial scholarships are given out more than the exception. You know, more than four scholarships. Um. What's the main difference when you offer a full scholarship versus offering a partial? Well, you know, if you're a if you're a premium athlete, if you're a if you're a difference maker, let me just put it like that. You're okay. a guy that okay. you, you're gonna make a difference when you walk out there. Well, we're gonna uh-huh. give you a scholarship. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get a scholarship. Now, if you're a good player and or a prospect, somebody we've then we, we're gonna we're gonna mix some athletic aid with some federal aid and some state aid and even and in some cases not very often maybe even some college work study. I haven't seen that done at Winston Salem State with the work study at all. But we're gonna make you a package where your parents don't have to pay any money. The, the, in Division One, they're just gonna give you a straight up scholar eighty five straight scholarships. They can't correct, mix correct. and max. See, we can we can take thirty thousand dollars and split it up fifteen ways. If they got thirty thousand dollars for for a scholarship, they got to give that to one kid, and then he might not pan out. Correct. So Correct. that's why all the students need to make sure that they are considering Division Two and Division Three schools, and they're not just concentrating on Division One schools because there is money available at other levels. And they need to get that financial aid in now, regardless of it. Really, they already – March is the deadline for completing your financial aid. So all students, whether you're going to get a scholarship or not, you, you, you may be eligible for a Pell Grant or some other kind of grant that might give you some additional money. So you need to go in and do your financial aid early during the month of March so that you can qualify for the maximum. And then if, if you qualify for the maximum – and you want to go to school, and the coach looks and sees that well, you're not a great player. I mean, you 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 you're a prospect. You're you're an average guy that that enjoys playing. Nothing wrong with that. But if you mm-hmm. already got half of your money through financial aid, and the coach want to throw you fifteen hundred, two thousand, five thousand dollars on top of what you already got, then that makes it a whole lot easier. And then you can work to develop the, your skills, and and the, the better you develop your skills, the more money he gonna give you. Because you all need to know that scholarships are given on a yearly basis. There is no such thing as a four-year scholarship. 
they're giving on can any other basis. Coach, Coach Hayes, can I you repeat that, that again? That, that, there is no such thing in the United States as a four-year scholarship. Scholarships are given on a yearly basis, one year at a time. And, and, and so when you come in in September, August and September, your scholarship starts, and when you leave school in May, your scholarship is over. Now, the coach must notify you before June 30th of the coming year about whether he's going to continue you or not and how he's going to continue you. That means if you had a full scholarship in year one and you didn't do what you're supposed to do, at the, when May rolls around, he can call you in his office and say, look, things didn't work out. Uh, uh, you, 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 you're really not the type of person that we want to give a full scholarship. We're going to cut half of your scholarship. Give you half a scholarship. As long as he had puts that in writing and notify that parent and that kid before June 30th, then he's well within his rights. That's why kids have to be on their P's and Q's. That's why they have to follow team rules and regulations. That's why they have to make sure that they're academically prepared and academically eligible because that scholarship doesn't, isn't, it's not an entitlement. <laughs> you have to earn it every year. Okay. Wow. Now, uh, Coach, you said that you these scholarships are granted one year at a time. What types of things have caused you to decrease or cancel a student scholarship once they've been in your football program? Well, now I'm an athletic director, and so I manage coaches. So what I tell them is you keep good records. You keep a diary on each kid every day. If he's supposed to be at practice at 4 o'clock and he comes to quarter past floor, 4, I want it documented. Because when you come to my office to tell me that you're going to cut his scholarship, I want to see the documentation. I want a list of everything he's done the whole year. I want you to lay it out in front of me, and then if I feel that, that you're justified in wanting to reduce his scholarship or cut his scholarship based on facts, not personalities, based mm -hmm. on facts, then I will right. sign off on it. But what I don't I really don't like to see any coach uh, lim limit a freshman's money. I like to give him that first year uh, to, to that first year to, to just grow up and, and cut that uh, umbilical cord, if you know what I mean. Right, yes. right. So, uh, but but that's what I look for. Now, I don't like to cut. I don't like to see coaches cut kids' scholarships because of ability. Most of the times, kids cut themselves because they won't go to class. They're late for practice. They don't late for the meetings. They miss stuff. And coach document everything he does. And so when and the coach is steadily talking to him, trying to get him to improve. After a while, the talking is over. And the documentation comes out. And in May, when they before that kid goes home, when that coach has his end of the year meeting, he's going to call them all in there one at a time, and he's going to pull that documentation out, and then he's going to tell them what, he, what that situation is for the coming year. So, yeah, scholarships is one year at a time for sure. Great. We try to emphasize that to students all the time, but I think maybe coming from a coach it might sink in just a little bit more. Well, right, even right. now, there hadn't been a full scholarship in in the United States in 25 years. But the parents just feel that when they sign this contract, this letter of intent, that letter of intent clearly states that it's for one year. It's clear as day. 
but the people have in their mind that a lot of my child got a four year scholarship, and they believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right, and it's sitting right there writing. But they believe what they want to believe, and it's hard to make them believe to believe otherwise. Right. So true, so true. But coach, what is a preferred walk on, and how does a high school player get onto a coach's preferred walk on list? Uh, you really can't get on a preferred walk on list if if I if I see a kid that I like and I think has some real promise. And I really don't, I like him, but I don't like him enough to give him a whole lot of money. In fact, I, I think he's a suspect. He's not a prospect. He's an interesting <laughs> suspect, okay? So so I might invite him in because I see something. He doesn't have, a, he doesn't have, he got just enough to stir my interest. And I, mm-hmm. and I got a hunch that this guy might, might, might have it. That's a preferred walk-on. And I might invite him to come. Come out for our, for our team. Okay, that, that, that's very good. So, so be very so careful it, before you accept a preferred walk-on offer. You know, most of the time, I always tell kids, and maybe I'm wrong for saying this here, coach, but I tell most preferred walk-on, you're nothing but a practice dummy. You'll become an all-American practice dummy unless you're an outstanding uh, prospect. So most of the time, well, you'll be a practice dummy. I see kids that go to Division One as a preferred walk-on that could be a valuable player in Division Two or Three, and to me that never made much sense to go somewhere and sit on the bench as a preferred walk-on and not get any money, and not get any of the benefits of being being on the team, like not being able to eat on the training table, or, or not, just a lot of things that preferred walk-ons will not have the opportunity to experience. That if he went down to Division Two. Or, or, or Division One championship, he and he might be a scholarship athlete. Well, see that that brings me to my next question. Some parents and this, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm in recruiting, so I, I'm laying it all out where the parents and the student athletes can hear this here. Some parents and prospects think you have to attend a major Division One program to be noticed by a pro scout. I know that you have had players drafted from North Carolina A&T University in the championship level and with some Southern State University in the NCAA. Division what two, yes. Yes, Division two. Oh, I had about 200 from Winston Salem State in Division two. We were averaging at one time we were averaging about seven guys signing contracts a year on the Division two level. See, because my guys are just as good as theirs, I just don't have as many. You follow me? In other yeah. words, the University of North Carolina might have 40 of them, and I might not have but 10. But the scouts know I got 10, and my 10 mm-hmm. might be better than their 40. So some of mine are better than some of theirs, and they know that. You can't fool the scout. <laughs> you right. can't fool him. And he's going to go anywhere that he thinks there is a suspect He's going to make sure that suspect is a suspect and not a prospect. He'll get he'll, he'll get he'll get fired if a prospect appears from an area that he did not go to. So in North Carolina, those scouts that do North Carolina go to every school in North Carolina. The large schools, the smaller schools, I mean the Division Three, they go to every one of them. And if you can play, it's going to show. It, it's going to show if you can play. And it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, there was a time when at Winston-Salem State, we had more college 
more pro prospects than than Division two schools in this Division one uh, schools in the state. I mean, just wow. think. I mean, yeah, Yancey Dick Penn and all those guys that came out of my program. Those guys were those guys were high dollar wide receivers and an offensive lineman with Jermaine Stevens and Timmy Newsom and running back with the Cowboys. Those are big time football players. They just at a small school. <laughs> so, so it really doesn't matter where you go to school. Uh, you know, you want to get with a solid coaching staff, and there are great yeah. coaches. You know, coaches in Division Two coach harder than the ones in Division One. They, <laughs> they have to. to. <laughs> they have to. Uh, you know, they, they they do it all. They they don't have a strength coach, so they the strength coach. A lot of them. You know, they're the study hall person. They're the, they're the mom and the dad. They're everything. But in Division One, that coach may have. Maybe get assistance from this person or that person, and a lot of people might be involved in that kid's uh, 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 growth. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I strongly believe that. Well, all you gotta do is look at TV and all the guys on uh, in the NFL from smaller schools. And watch the beginning <laughs> of any NFL game, and they will tell you where they went to school. Oh yeah. And really, the majority, a lot of them are from 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 smaller schools. They you know, are, yeah, yeah, and, and they're tougher too from smaller schools because they're not given everything; they have to work for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're tougher. You know, they're not they're not spoiled. So. I think that's that's something that the parents need to really listen to, is that Robert calls them the logo schools. Rather than going to a logo school and playing from Sunday to Friday and never playing on Saturday, you can go to a Division two or three school and actually play on Saturday and be noticed. Yeah, well, you know what I got, Marlon. I got a a statement that I make to my coaches and to my kids. I, I'm a coach the whole kid. I'm okay. gonna coach. I'm a coach the whole child. I mean, I'm a coach his manners. I'm a coach's dress. I'm a coach's academics. You know, I'm gonna teach him how to be a man, and then I'm gonna teach him how to be a good football player. So I'm gonna coach the whole kid. I'm just not gonna coach. And too many times in Division One, winning is so important. So they just coach the winning part, right? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times those kids go out and get in trouble, and those kids don't have the same. They don't have the same stuff that my kids would have. You see what I mean? They yeah. can't oh, yeah. present themselves like like my kids can present themselves. Cause I'm gonna coach the whole kid. He gonna have some manners. He gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna get somebody coming in and teach him which knife and fork to eat with. I'm gonna make sure he go to class. I'm gonna teach him how to write. I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna work with him about those tattoos and his britches all down on his butt. I ain't having all of that. And we're gonna make sure that we coach the whole kid. And when he leave out, he because we know we got a diamond in the rough. We know that. Now, wow. all we got to do is, is smooth him out. We got to smooth him out, and we're gonna do that. And so we care about the kid, and we're gonna nurture him. We're gonna do everything we got to do to to get the most out of his ability. So my saying is, we're gonna coach the whole kid. That's great. That's great. And everybody doesn't do that. So that's it. Oh, that's no. another. That's something else for the mothers to watch, because I'm a single mother. I have a daughter, not a son. But as a single mom, you want to feel that you're leaving your child with somebody who's going to help that whole child. That's right. I right. heard Division One coaches say 
that that kid can win for me or get the hell out of my face. And I, and, we not, and we never had that attitude. I mean, and I'm quick to tell them that, listen, now, I'm going to make sure that at the end of the day, that 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 that, that I'm gonna get mine, you know. You know, I was the purpose of bringing that kid in is so he can help me win the championship. So, if you help me win the championship, I gotta help you win win the Super Bowl in life. That means get out of here with a degree, yeah. Get yourself a good job and be a productive yeah. citizen. That's what I owe him. So yeah. he's gonna help me win the championship, and when I win the championship, I'm gonna get a nice raise. And, and, help, and help my family, but I owe it to that kid to help him get what he get what he needs to be successful in life. So I used to say to him, "Listen, let's make sure." Now, my job as a coach, my job is to use that kid to win the championship. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's well, correct. His, his job is to use me and my scholarship money to get a great education. Now, if I use him. To if I use him to win the championship, and he don't use me to get a great education, then that's not an even swap. And I tell them that I said, look, you need to use me and the dollars that I that I'm controlling to get the best education you can possibly get, because I'm going to use you and all your ability to win the championship so I can get me a nice raise and a big house on the hill. So make sure that we use each other because it shouldn't be just one way. So, Robert, I told you, coach is going to tell it like it is. That shouldn't yeah, coach. That's the one thing yeah. I like about him. He's got to tell it like it is. Right. And, and, and Coach Hayes, just to, just to piggyback on what, what you said, and, and you want a nice house on the hill, but you notice what he said, a house on the hill. He don't need five houses on a hill. He just needs one house. <laughs> on that, the hill. That's right. That's, that's right. He word, a house. You don't need five houses on a hill. You just need one house on a hill. Very powerful. As coach, if a student is listening and he's a freshman or sophomore in high school and he dreams of playing college football, but he hasn't started being recruited by college coaches yet, what's the best way to get the attention but without going overboard and being annoying? Well, if I'm a freshman or a sophomore, you you need to spend your time trying to be the best football player on your high school team. You need to worry about your high school. The college coach is going to find you. Now, if you've got to find him, that's a problem. Because if if you can play, trust me, he's going to find you. So it, it, it will serve you wrong to start thinking about playing in college, start trying to be recruited in college while you're trying to play in high school. That's just a distraction. So you should try you should try your best to to earn your way and navigate your way through your high school and be a champion on your high school team. If you do that, then the college coach, he's doing his job. He's going to find you if you can play. Now, I would advise juniors and seniors, it won't hurt that parent to, to buy some tape, some buy some videotape, and, and take all of his game tape, not highlight tape. Hate highlight tapes. I want to see him when he gets knocked down. I want to see how 
I, w- I don't want to see him just when he's when he's doing good. I want to see how he reacts when he's doing bad. Because life is like that. Sometimes you're going to get knocked down. I want to see how fast he's going to get up and get after somebody. You know, so it's easy for me to put on a highlight tape and see all these good things this guy does. And then he would get in a tough game and somebody hit him in his nose and he back up and stop trying. I got to know that. I got to know right. that. So I don't want to see highlight tapes. I want to see the whole game. I want to see him get knocked out. I want to see him make mistakes. And I want to see how fast he recovers when he makes a mistake. You, you, you see my point? Right. Okay. Right. You, you, you brought so up his you brought mama, an excellent his, point. So right. his mama needs to get, get those tapes and send those stuff, sending those tapes out if he hadn't been contacted by the end of his junior year. His mama needs to start sending those tapes out to schools that he might want to attend. Right, right. Because you you brought up a good point, Coach Hayes. And, and I always tell, and when I when I when I do my seminars, I always tell parents, I've been doing this for a number of years. I have never seen a bad highlight tape. But when I put on a game tape, that same place where you've got that one good play off the hop to make a highlight tape, you got your rear end handed to you the whole night. Right. right. You pulled, you pulled out one, the one good game out of the tape. Yeah, I don't want to see no highlight tape. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, yes, I am. Um, we got a few minutes left, and I got one question for you. If you could provide one piece of advice to any high school student who dreams of playing college football, what would you tell him? I would say get, be sound academically first. So that that coach don't have to worry about when that coach comes to your school. First place he's going into the guidance council office and check out your academics before he even talk to the coach. He's gonna talk to that guidance counselor. Make sure that guidance counselor has got good things to say about you as a person, and your grades reflect that you, the fact that you're a good student. And then do the things that you need to do to be a great player. Stay, live in the weight room. Be in excellent condition. Uh, that's what. That's my advice to to to, to any kid. Mm-hmm. Coach Hayes, we're coming to the end of our show. Uh, I really want to thank you for taking an hour out of your business schedule. The the ingredients that you gave us for Diamond in the Rough tonight was outstanding. Um, this has been another outstanding show. Uh, we've been preaching this from day one in regards to academics. Now they're hearing it from. A, a former coach and now a current uh, athletic, you know, working the athletic department, and you're hearing the same thing over and over. It starts in the classroom. It don't start on the field. Uh, I really, I really want to say thank you for you know uh, taking time out and, and spending an hour with us. And uh, I will see you down the road. I really want to uh, say thanks again. I want to say one thing too. Uh, I don't think parents should wait till the end, to the last minute, to, to get to know that guidance counselor. I think it's the parents' obligation to start going by that school, that kid's school when he's in the ninth grade and knowing who his counselor is to make sure he's doing what he's supposed to do. Too many times parents wait till his senior year and when, he's start, when the coach first comes by to recruit him to, to become curious about his grades. And then they find out in the, in the 11th hour that he hadn't been doing what he's supposed to do. Parents need to start early in checking on their kids. That is that is that is very true because I guarantee you any 
my four kids that I have, I guarantee each guiding counselor and principal knew me from day one, and I just showed up out of the blue. I didn't believe what my kids told me. I went out to the school and, and got their their uh, transcripts, and I stayed on top of them. I know who the academic advisor were, you know, uh, and you did. That is correct. We need to be more proactive versus when they get in their senior year, and then you want to go out and put on a show in the senior year, come out, you guys not giving my kids the right grades when they haven't earned them. That's exactly right. But once again, I want to thank you for uh, attending us tonight, and uh, I definitely see you down the road. I, I will be in the uh, Carolina area very soon uh, on one of my tours, and I definitely uh, we'll get we'll get together and we'll have a good time together. I look forward to it, and and again, thank you, Marlon. You, you're sure, a great person, you, and thank you all. Thank you all for for having me on the show. All right, appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, Tonight. that was another. That was another great interview. Uh, I really appreciate Coach Hayes being on tonight. Um, we got a few minutes left in the show. Uh, it's all you, Marlon. Go ahead. I wanted to let people know that in addition to uh, working with Robert, trying to get information out to you on the Diamond in the Rough blog radio show, Eligibility Coach is going to start doing a blog radio show on Tuesday nights. So it will be the same time, 7.30, the same call-in information. We're just going to be interviewing uh, some different people. My first guest next Tuesday is John Levins. John is the executive director of the NAIA Eligibility Center. Uh, Starting with the fall of 2011, the NAIA started its own eligibility center similar to the one the NCAA has. John was a soccer student athlete at Duke University. He also has a law degree, and he is the man who started compliance at the NCAA back in the late 80s. He and I worked together. I was in the publishing department, and he was in the compliance department. And he has been gracious enough to uh, give us an hour of his time to talk about NAIA scholarships and their championships and about their eligibility center and how you can become certified. Also wanted to let students, remind students of our book, The Athletic Scholarship Eligibility Coach. It's available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and on my website, eligibilitycoach.com backslash by the book. And for the Diamond in the Rough family, if you go online and purchase the book between now and And 11.59 on Saturday night, when you buy a paperback copy, you will receive an e-copy for free. We want to get this information out to as many people as we possibly can, and we know a lot of you do know some students who really can't afford to purchase a book, but you can afford to purchase one. You can keep the electronic copy for yourself and share the paperback copy with another family. Wow, that's so that's at backslash buy the book. But that's only through Saturday for the Diamond in the Rough family. Wow, you taught me tonight. That's outstanding. 
So please take advantage of the book. Um, yes, she will begin her own. She's branching out. She's blowing up. She's getting a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz beginning to uh, get out about the book. Um, she's, she's branching out with her own show. Uh, we'll be on Tuesday night at 7.30. The call-in number will be 347-677-1564. If you'd like more information, just drop me an email at rdenson at ditrfr.com, and I will pass the information on to her. Uh, she also, uh, you can reach her. She, she can be reached at, at 866-259-8271, extension uh, 2. Once again, that number is 866-259-8271, extension 2. Uh, you can reach her there, and she'll be more glad to give you a call back. Um, but once again, all your seniors, make sure you take advantage of the Lost Diamond Camp that will take place on April 6th at the PGA National and then also on April 13th at Baylor High School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, until next week. Uh, same time, same spot. Um, please join us again on Diamond and Rough Football Recruiting Show. Uh, don't forget to listen to the eligibility coach on Tuesday night. We will be sending out a link in regards to that. All you high school coaches that's listening, I would highly recommend that you would have your compliance person or your guidance person that handles your academics to tune in on Tuesday nights. Uh, do you think that would be a good idea, uh, Marlon? Oh, most definitely, because the NAIA offers uh, opportunities for over 60,000 students to participate in college athletics in a variety of sports. And so when you have that many competition opportunities available, you can't afford not to look at NAIA schools. And as Coach Hayes just said, if you're good, the scouts are going to find you. Yes, yes, yes. If you're good, the scouts will find you. You know, uh, I always have to use my standard closing. Um, remember, nothing good happens after midnight. And this would be Marlin's intro going forward on Tuesday night.